I'd like you to think a little bit about how you make decisions. What sort of a decision maker are you? For some people, a restaurant menu is an invitation to wonderful possibilities, and for others, it's an instrument of torture. Got to choose. Gotta, maybe you're that person always chooses last. No, no, you can skip me now. Just need a few more minutes. Choices tell us a lot about ourselves. And I don't think we often enough pay attention to how we choose. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew from Jerusalem and went up to Galilee. Just one line in the gospel, right? We hear it lots of times. But if you know Jerusalem, if you know Israel, that's no small journey. Kind of think of someone who grew up in the Midwest and for whatever reason they go off to New York, they're living in Manhattan, living the city life, and then all of a sudden for some reason they come back and they're back here for a long time as they mature and kind of hone their craft. Something like that is what goes on in Jesus' life. He begins up there, we know, in Nazareth, and then he comes down to Jerusalem. And when he comes down to Jerusalem, John the Baptist already has something going. I mean, people are coming out to see him. He has quite a name for himself. He's driving people to think about their need for repentance. And Jesus joins in that group. He's gone from little northern Israel, if you've ever been up there, in Galilee. And he's come to the big city. He's come to a place where there's a lot of spiritual activity. And he's a part of that. And he gets baptized. And then all of a sudden, in just one line, Matthew tells us, John is arrested. And Jesus withdraws and goes all the way back home to where he started. He leaves the city. He leaves that very active movement of people who have been stirred up religiously by John, thinking about repentance. And if you know the Gospel of Matthew, he stays up there in Galilee for a long time, for many, many chapters. And it's not until after all of that he comes back to Jerusalem for the last time, and that's where he ends his days. So, as I said, on the one hand, it's just a line in the Gospel, and we kind of move on as if whatever Jesus did and wherever he did it is about the same, doesn't really matter where or when. But in fact, it's a big change in where. And I can't believe it was a small change for him or for his disciples to pick up stakes from this active group that's forming in Jerusalem and to withdraw, as Matthew says. He withdrew all the way back to Galilee. And that's where he would stay. That's where he calls his disciples, the second half of that gospel, right? Maybe as we read it, we just kind of blend it all into one. He got baptized, he withdraws, he calls his disciples, but he didn't call his disciples from where that initial action was. Something was going on in his mind and his heart to make a very important decision. And Matthew doesn't tell us why or what was behind it. And there's lots of different speculations. Maybe it was dangerous for him to stay there, so he went up. But we're not actually told that. He made one of the most important decisions of his life, and it was precipitated by this action. John was arrested. What I'm inviting us to do is just think about some of the important decisions we've made in our lives. Why we've made them, or maybe some of the decisions we didn't make. As we look back now, there might be a little bit of regret, 
or gratitude. Maybe we know we didn't make that decision for the right reason. But if there's something that gets in the way of following God's call, I'd like to suggest more often than not, it's something that I would call spiritual arrogance. Spiritual arrogance. And like most arrogance, we're not really aware that we have it. And if it's spiritual arrogance, it's not usually that we're obnoxious so that other people notice we have it. By spiritual arrogance, I simply mean an inability or an unwillingness or a stubbornness to look at those opportunities for decision in our lives and to be close-minded to the fact that maybe God is mixed up in that. And maybe our first knee-jerk reaction is not what God is inviting us to think about or see. So how do we know? What are the signs of it? I mean, usually we don't get a sort of kick in our spiritual pants from God saying, hey, you're being a jerk here. One of the things to look for is resistance. Just ask yourself in the face of a choice or a decision, where is there resistance in my heart or my mind? Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we resist bad things, and that's what we should do. But don't just assume that because we feel a resistance or a reluctance or a repugnance or resentment, that it's necessarily something we should be holding back from. That resistance can just be like a little red flag. And then just to hit the pause button and stop and to say, what's in this? Sometimes resistance is based on fear. Lots of times it is actually. And if that's the case, we don't always recognize that at first blush. And if there is a fear there, I'm saying, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to explore this relationship with that person. I'm not even going to consider that opportunity. Well, with brutal honesty, are we maybe afraid that if we went in that direction, then we don't know what would happen? Maybe we're afraid of being embarrassed. Maybe we're afraid of failing. Maybe we're afraid that others wouldn't appreciate that decision that we made. Other reasons for this spiritual arrogance, that we just assume we know better. We assume that God must be more or less rubber stamping our thoughts and our desires, and that it couldn't possibly be this way, because it's so clear to me that it's the other way. And lots of times we've discerned that well, and it should be the other way. All that I'm saying is if the resistance is there, to not automatically assume that what we think is better is necessarily what God thinks is better. So then how do you sort those two things out? Well, spiritual discernment isn't all that different from non-spiritual discernment. You can list the pros and cons, but don't just keep it inside. Talk about it with someone who knows us well. And definitely, if it's spiritual arrogance, to bring it into prayer, to just lay it out there before the Lord. Hey. How do you see me in this role, Lord? How do you see me in this other role? And just literally talk it through. And I promise you, if you do that, not just one time, but do it consistently in your prayer, you begin to notice that one way sits a little more honestly in your heart than the other. When we allow arrogance to slide by under the rug, it's usually because we just blow it by and don't actually stop to unpack it. In the unpacking, more often than not, the lies begin to surface. Either we see it or other people see it in us or it does come up in prayer. You know, if you had your Bible in front of you instead of just your worship aid, 
you'd see that between the baptism of Jesus and him making this critical decision is, of course, his temptation in the desert. And I'd like to think that if there was ever a time when there was an opportunity for Jesus himself to be spiritually arrogant, it would have been then. It would have been then. And that was the temptation of the devil himself, right? Hey, Jesus, you know better than this. You don't got to be out here in the desert hungry. You've got the ability. Make yourself some food. You don't have to be out here all alone, not getting praise from anyone. You can take care of that if you are who you think you are. And I've got to believe that it was walking through that journey that in no small way contributed to his ability to make a decision that to a lot of his friends must have seen kind of crazy. John is arrested. Okay, that's a hard thing. But this is the place where seemingly his ministry was just beginning to take off. This is the place where people were coming to the realization we need forgiveness. We need to get closer to this God. Something's been getting in the way. And if the table weren't set then for Jesus to stay and really get going, it must have seemed like it would never be the time. And yet in that moment, he hears that John has been arrested. He picks up stakes and he goes all the way back home. I've got to believe there were many people who thought, why in the world are you doing that? And maybe even in Jesus' own heart, the thought may have crossed his mind. But we know what he did because that's what he did in the desert. Father, is this what I should be doing? Laying it out in prayer, perhaps talking about it with other people. We're not told by Matthew, but we can decide for ourselves. So just to look where maybe a little bit of that spiritual arrogance might be creeping up in our own heart. Gray, cold winter day, good time for some self-reflection. And pay attention to the resistance. If it's in your job, if it's in school, it's in your family, in a relationship, in your own heart. And maybe, just maybe, that resistance is an invitation to humility. Because when we entrust ourselves humbly to that God, we can always be assured we won't be embarrassed.